Hey everybody, Steven Jensen here, and before we get started on this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast, I just want to tell you all about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys, autographed memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Keep up to date with all their special in-store signings, online sales and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City Toys. And I will be there live in the house on May 1st. We're going to have Dan Severn there, UFC Hall of Famer, pro wrestling legend. We're going to be watching some fights with them. We're going to be doing a Q&A. I'll be hosting the Q&A. It's going to be a great time. So please support our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. And if you're in the area or if you want to make the trip, please join us once again May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee for the grand opening of the brand new retail location. So with that all being said, kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with myself and jumping Johnny Mosley right here on the Fight Talk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another brand spanking new edition of the Fight Talk podcast. Uh, no no fights this past weekend, so we don't have anything to really go back over. We're going to talk a little MMA news. We got a UFC on ABC card to look forward to this weekend. Uh, and honestly, uh, me and Steven Jensen got a bunch of wrestling to watch this week. So uh, we got a busy, busy week ahead of us, bro. Yes, we do. And for those of you listening to this right now, myself and Moe's have literally spent probably about six hours total uh, (laughs) talking about professional wrestling over the last two days. So um, so these intros are going to be quick. Make sure if you're a fan of independent wrestling and you're listening to this right now, check out independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. They'll both bring you to the same spot. If you use code fight talk, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. No space, all is one word in there, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. They are currently not doing the five days for free, but they are still hooking people up that use the promo code as far as like on our end. So like it really benefits myself and Moe's and helps us out a lot, helps the podcast out a lot if you're using that uh, Fight Talk code over there. And it's only 10 bucks, y'all. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's something where I'm I'm hoping that we can get that that five free days again sometime in the near future. But it's a collective weekend uh, for GCW. It's the IWTV showcase of the independence. Like, this is how the, there, there's so much going on and so many people that need to get paid this weekend that I fully, fully understand, you know, and just know that that ten dollars not only gets you access to just thousands upon thousands of independent wrestling matches and hundreds of promotions. And in my honest opinion, the best $10 a month you can spend on wrestling is IWTV. And not only you're doing that and watching great stuff and being able to be a fan, you're, you're directly supporting all these wrestlers and people like Moe's who are parts of the shows and the people who, who promote and, and the fan experience and everything. So uh, use that code enjoy some independent wrestling.tv and, and, and watch the showcase of the independence this week and this weekend. Hell yeah, man. Uh, anyone that watches very much appreciate you use those code, uh, fight talk, no spaces, all caps. Uh, we appreciate this for at all times. Um, yeah, man, let's, let's get right into it. We've had a fight confirmed. We've got rumors of another one, maybe happening. Let's, let's dive into, to uh, insert your news, your breaking news sounds and, and alarms, Conor McGregor has spoken. He and Dustin Poirier will be the main event of UFC 264 July 10th. Uh, I'm not going to directly quote Conor, but basically he just said he's going to destroy Dustin this time, man. Um, what are you, you know, we, I think we, we both have been saying it since that fight. This was the money fight. It's good for Dustin. Obviously, anything Conor does is good for Conor. Uh, how are you feeling now that we know what we know for sure? July 10th, we're getting the uh, the trilogy. I mean, it, it, this all makes sense considering how the cards have fallen. Like, once we found out that Oliveira and Chandler was going to be for the title, and we there was already a lot of rumblings about uh, Poirier and uh, Connor trilogy, and there was also some talk about a Poirier and Nate Diaz fight, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Then we also saw, you know, Nate Diaz... Uh, you know, he's going to be fighting Leon Edwards. So 
this all totally makes sense. Um, I love this for Dustin because, like we've said a lot on this show in the past, this is Dustin's time in his career to uh, to make the most money he possibly can. And the most money you can make is against Conor McGregor. Um, you know, if he wins this fight, I'm sure if he wants to fight for the title, uh, the winner, regardless of who it is, uh, will probably fight for the title next. Uh, you know, regardless of who the, the champion is between Oliver and Chandler. So the winner is probably going to be the number, number one contender. Both are going to wind up making a lot of money. Um, so I, like, I'm, I'm happy for everybody involved in this. And I think it's a good fight because, you know, we saw what happened the first time with Connor getting the knockout. We saw what happened the second time with Dustin, you know, utilizing his game plan and chopping down uh, the leg of Connor and getting that brutal finish. And then, uh, you know, how will Connor adjust uh, and how much will he adjust? And, you know, what's going to happen this third time? I mean, it's uh, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I think the way that things have worked out in the lightweight division of the UFC have, uh, have worked out pretty well. Yeah, it, it's like, we, like we're saying, we we're happy Dustin gets a big money fight. Connor keep doing Connor things. Uh, again, July 10th, not that far off, really. I know we're, we're here in early April, but it's going to be July before we know it. Absolute huge main event here. Um, plenty of ramifications coming out for both Connor and Dustin. One more time for, for Dustin Poirier, man. I, I watched Fightville, uh, not too long ago after, after he fought Dustin or fought Connor again. So, uh, to see that growth and see him now doing this, man, it's, it's really a, a beautiful thing. No lie. Um, yeah. Well, also I just wanted to say like that. It's it's cool to see how quick they got this done too. Yeah, because you know, especially on Connor's end, I know a lot of the time it's it gets dragged out, you know, like with negotiations and stuff. And and to be fair, same with uh, Dustin lately as well. He's been he's been the same way. Um, and and I I'm on their sides just for what it's worth. Like you got to get what you think you're worth, and we can talk about John Jones as well with that. But like mm-hmm. you know, um, but it was cool to see that Connor like. Like he signed, I think he signed the dotted line first, even this time. I think he was like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, this is what I want. Let's do it. I'm training. I'm, I'm let's, let's do it. Let's do it July or whatever. And Dustin was like, perfect. Like that's, that works great for me. Like, and, and they got it done. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's nice that it didn't get dragged out for like a super long amount of time and it's booked and hopefully nothing happens and we just get the fight. And do you have a, uh, an early prediction for that one? I'm going to go Dustin, man. Yeah, I mean, it's you really can't go wrong with either prediction, I feel like, because I think more people will probably pick Dustin because of mm-hmm. what happened in the second fight. Um, I'm going to go Connor. I went with Connor the first time and the second time. So I was right once, I was wrong once. Um, I love Dustin Poirier. Like, he's one of my favorite fighters ever. Um, same with Connor, though. Like, I, I, I think Connor is still, it's hard to call him underrated, but it's, you know, it's very easy to go after him because of a couple of his losses. But like when you look at the people he's lost to, it's like not, it's not embarrassing. So no, it's like, all. you know what I mean? Then you look at what he did to people like Jose Aldo and in his whole, you know, featherweight run and what he did to Eddie Alvarez and all this stuff. And I mean, say what you will about where Cowboy Cerrone's at as, as you know, in his career right now, but like he completely destroyed him. I mean, it's like, so all that being said, like, I think, I think Connor is going to correct his stance and and do something about that leg kick situation. And and Dustin's going to come into that, I'm sure, knowing that. I, I'm sure he's not going to have the same game plan he had in the second fight because that's what Connor would, you know, would be preparing for. So I think Dustin's a very smart fighter, but I also think, you know, people seem to forget how I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying in general. And I, I see I think a lot of fans don't realize how well Connor was doing in the fight until his leg got chopped up. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he had hit Dustin hard. If he, and Dustin's even admitted it. He's like, he, he, he rung my bell a few times. Like, um, so I got to go Connor, but like, it's, it's literally as close to like a 50, 50 coin toss as you can get. I think, cause it, I think it really could go either way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I know, uh, Connor gets some grief for, you know, maybe not putting all the time into being a fighter and people have said, you know, this or that about that. But I, I think you're right on the money. I think we're going to see Connor the best we've seen him in a while. And that's including, you know, a fight that he you know, could have won that fight with Dustin. I mean, if Dustin's isn't as tough as he is, 
maybe he does go down on some of those shots. So without a doubt, big time main event, just a, a few months away before we know it, we'll be seeing a countdown with these two, which I'm always down for one more time for Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, uh, and other news, man, this is where it's going to get convoluted. So we're talking heavyweight title. We're talking heavyweight division, which means we're talking Francis. We're talking a little bit of Bones Jones. According to uh, rumors, including those of Ariel Harani, that it, it looks like June 12th has been at least offered for Francis to defend that title against Derek Lewis in the rematch. Ariel saying that, you know, uh, it, it's it's looking like maybe they're going away from Jones. I know on I think at like 11 o'clock on April Fool's Day last week, Bones tweeted out something like just had a great dinner with Dana. And then, all, and they, you know, we're not sure <laughs> yeah. if that and Dana commented on it even. So that was funny. Um, but again, convoluted is the word here. It, it, I don't know. I don't think the, the fight's been agreed upon. June 12th was the date at least offered for the rematch. Uh, I know that just as well as that you and I have been talking about John Jones asking for money, more money. He wants a pay boost. He, uh, the talk has been obviously moving up weight division, these killers at heavyweight, the fact that Francis is doing what he's doing. Um, all that should go into the payout for bones. So, I mean, I don't really know exactly where this story's headed, man. Uh, what do you think is a better what let me say this. What do you think we have a better shot of seeing? Do we see Francis Derek two or or do we see bones in this heavyweight division first? My gut right now is that we'll get Lewis and Nganu first. Yes, I agree. And a big reason I think that I would highly recommend anyone listening to this after you listen to the fight talk podcast to go on and listen to Steve. Oh, I think his show is called wild ride. It's like, he's like in an RV or something. He's been doing a podcast for a while now and he gets a lot of uh, pretty big name uh, people on there. And he recently had John Jones on and it, during the interview, it gave me some really good insight into kind of where John Jones's headspace is at. And he said a lot of key things during the interview, and I'm going to forget a lot of it. Uh, you know, it was a long interview, and I'd say there's about a solid 25 or so minutes of it where they really deep dive on on mm-hmm. this situation we're talking about. Um, and basically, like, he, he, you know, he's, he, he says a lot of things along the lines of, if I never fight again, like, I could be happy with my career, like, He's he's totally content with just being known as the best light heavyweight ever. He considers his light heavyweight career to be retired and anything he does, anything he does beyond that is just cherry on top of the cake. And he just wants to get paid what he feels is worth paid because even he admits multiple times during the interview, he's like, it's very, very possible. Francis Ngannou knocks me out cold like that guy is scary. He hits harder than anybody. Like, I have to go in there knowing. He said, I have to go in there expecting to get knocked out and having my jaw broken. And that's why I have to get paid what I think it's worth doing this for. He says, once I get comfortable, it was really interesting to listen to because he was talking about like how part of the reason why he's so mentally strong during fights is because he's accepted the outcome of defeat. Like he goes, he would be going into a fight with Francis, for instance, like thinking, okay, this guy's probably going to knock me out cold. It's probably going to happen. I'm probably going to wake up in a hospital bed uh, with a broken jaw, but I'm going to get a lot of money to do this. And I'm going to, you know, that's, that's worst case scenario. And then he kind of builds himself up from that to the point where it's just like, he just goes there and there and does his thing. Like it, it's wild how he kind of gets to this point of confidence, but it starts at like thinking the absolute worst. And, and yeah, he just, it's, it was fascinating listening to some of this. He was talking about how, you know, he's asking for like 15, $20 million, but what he's really asking for is the UFC to meet him in the middle somewhere. Like he's not, he's not firmly sitting on, I need to make $20 million. He's saying, Here's examples of people in the past who have made a lot of money fighting in, you know, in boxing and, and stuff. And this is how much money I think the UFC is making. And I think I'm worth this. And if they think I'm worth two and I think I'm worth 10, like he's okay with meeting somewhere in the middle, which I think is a, is pretty fair 
You know, like it's yeah. You know, so it, I would just really recommend people listen to that because it sounds like he'd be fine not fighting ever again. But he also makes it clear that you know he's under contract and that's part of the problem. Like he he mentioned Bellator multiple times. He was talking about like if I was a free agent. I know, I know that um, they'd be interested in paying me. Well, you know, in the ballpark of what I want. Um, so it's like he's in this weird situation where he's under contract and he wouldn't be able to fight anywhere else unless the UFC released him. And they're definitely not going to just release him. No. So, um, and he wants to compete and he wants to do it at heavyweight and he wants to give something to the fans, like this big, awesome opportunity to see him against Francis Ngannou, which is a is an incredible matchup. So. There's so many layers to it, but at the end of the day, I honestly believe that John Jones is fine with whatever happens. And he also, the last thing I'll say, because I know I'm rambling about it, but the last thing I'll say is like, he's very aware also of the fact that he could help so many fighters by getting paid what he's getting paid. Like a lot of people would look at him and think he's being selfish, but the reality of it is if John Jones gets paid, I know this is a lot of money and it'll probably never be this high, but if he gets $20 million and let's say Connor's getting $10 million and maybe a Francis Ngannou is getting, you know, $500,000 to a million dollars, that's going to make it to where like Francis is definitely going to be making way more money because he's going to have to be closer to the bracket of these other fighters on his, on his level that have his drawing power and of his caliber. So it's like, if it would it would it would start somewhat of a paradigm shift of of overall fighter pay because if you start seeing somebody making twenty million and mm-hmm. you're over here making a, a few hundred thousand you're like yo I I mean I know you're able to pay him twenty million I mean I'm not asking for twenty million but I mean you know I'm making ten thousand right now uh, you know two hundred thousand seems reasonable you know what I'm saying like yes oh, so. Yeah. So yeah, I know. I, I give me your thoughts on. That. I know I just talked for a while, but I just watched that interview the other day, and there was just it was just it was fascinating because he really he really um, discussed all this stuff in detail. No, it is. It's anytime you're talking this kind of money because we know it's it's different now with the COVID stuff with with fans, but like and it, it's it feels like so long ago. But in a normal year, in a normal you know a normal time where we could pack out an arena and all that. A show headlined by John Jones and Francis Ngannou would be absolutely sold out. I mean, they could put that in the biggest arena they want in the States or anywhere else, I guess. They could have that wherever, and it, it's going to sell out. You're going to do huge pay-per-view numbers. So the the talk of all this money, I mean, I know that's a huge number. Like you're saying, it's a gigantic number. There's no doubt about it. But – how much money exactly would that that one fight alone, not to mention, you know, when you have a headliner like that, you're going to put some really big fights underneath that, too, to build some new talent, to, to, to tell some other stories, if you will. So the idea that that show wouldn't be one of the biggest selling shows in its own right in UFC history, I mean, it's crazy because it would be. It would be – there's no telling the amount of money – that would be made off that one fight. So I totally understand. And it's something we talk about a lot. Anyway, we feel uh, like so many others do that. These fighters need to be paid more anyway. Absolutely. We're talking millions of dollars. Like it's hard to, you know, to be upset about this or that, but the truth of it is, it's just what you said that you're talking about a sport. When you know, in your mind, you need to go in there thinking I could be permanently injured or killed tonight. Straight up. Like, yeah, I mean, that's we get caught up in just, you know, there's fights every weekend and all this, but we, we people lose track of that. Like you could die. I mean, brain damage. I mean, body damage, anything and everything could happen, you know, 30 seconds into this fight and then your life's changed forever. Your income's changed forever. So I, I completely understand where we're at right now with this dispute because at the end of the day, the UFC is trying to make the most money for them they can, and then you've got someone like a Bones Jones saying, you know, I'm proud of my legacy, and at the end of the day, every fight could be the last fight. So you're crazy for not trying to just get that paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I was talking to my stepbrother about this, who's a really big UFC fan, and we differ in, in opinions to, uh, to a degree with, with quite a bit of this stuff. And, you know, kind of his... What we were what we were talking was kind of like, 
you know, him being kind of more on the side of like John Jones, like he doesn't like seeing how John, like kind of the negotiation, ta- what seems kind of like negotiation tactics and how he kind of started saying these things like right after Francis won and like all this stuff. And after we talked a little while about it, a kind of the example I gave was like, but what if, like, what if you have your John Jones and you're making $2 million a fight, which, which sounds like pretty good money. And, and, and part of what his argument was, was, you know, if Connor's making 10, you mm-hmm. can't pay Jones 20 because like Connor's a way bigger draw than John, which, which is the truth. Like Connor is still a much bigger pay-per-view draw than John Jones is. He's probably like double the pay-per-view draw he is if, if we're being honest. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Jones can't be the guy to like leapfrog and like set that standard because you better believe if, if John Jones is getting 20 million, Connor's going to get you know, 30 million the next time he fights or something, you know, it's, it's only going to increase the fighter pay. And the example I gave him was like, imagine if you're John Jones and you fight and the pay-per-view does, I don't know, he does like 700,000 to a million probably it depends on the opponent, but against Francis, it would definitely be a million plus. And let's say you make $2 million, but you find out that the UFC made $50 million. And I, and these are just made up numbers. But once I said that, he was kind of a little bit more like, yeah, that does seem a little, you know what I mean? Like when you put it like that, especially if like John Jones is one of the only big names on the show um, and stuff. So it's like, and you can even tell like who's a draw and who isn't based on, you know, the, the numbers. Like you can see how many people are tuning in and out like during a show, uh, basically, uh, through, I mean, nobody really uses like the Nielsen ratings anymore, but you know the point. There's ways of finding out if people are watching the prelims. There's ways of finding out if people are watching the main event, you, you know, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So so if you're John Jones and you find out the UFC made $50 million and you made $2 million and you're like by far the biggest name on the show and you know what I mean? Like you, there's got you got to be asking questions because it's like I'm in here literally risk, risking my life like you said. And that's a big discrepancy in like what I'm bringing in for you and what you're keeping and what I get. And it's, it, it's just, it's just a really, it's just a crummy situation. Cause like the UFC I've, I've heard, and this is just from somebody kind of in the know, but like, there's no way of really knowing this cause the UFC doesn't release their numbers, but somebody once told very recently told, and I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but somebody who, who knows way more than I ever could about these situations told me that John Jones is realistically probably worth 50 million a fight. Like if you're looking at like how much he brings in, he could probably be getting paid $50 million to fight. And like the UFC would still be you know plenty profitable. It's incredible, man. You think about that number, you know what I'm saying? Like that's incredible. Yeah. And once again, I don't know how like true right. that is. But I, I heard John Jones and Steve-O saying something along those same lines during their I, – I don't know if $50 million was the exact number they said, but it was something very similar to what I had heard. And I was like, that's wild. Like, think about that. And so it's one of those things, too, where it's like, if that's actually the case and he's only asking for $15 million, the UFC should just jump on that and just be <laughs> like, you know what? Here it is. Like, stop asking questions. Like, we'll give you what you want. Because, like, if that number is actually, like, realistically should be, like, 50, that'll ruin the entire company. Because you find that out. Conor McGregor is now he's really asking questions. Conor McGregor's over here going, hey, I made $100 million to fight Floyd. Are you telling me, like, I'm actually worth that here every time also? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then all the fighters would be asking for, and, that, and it is a slippery slope. And then there's a the whole conversation of, you know, whether or not they should unionize or uh, mm-hmm. the all the all act, you know, uh, should fighters be able to just sign one fight contracts and not be tied into promotions? The, all those questions are a part of this as well. Um, for, just for what it's worth, I do think the all act would be great, and I do think the fighters should unionize. But I see both sides of the arguments. But uh, but yeah, it's just a lot to unpack. And and Jones is in a position where he can he can either not fight ever again, or he can come back and get what he thinks he's he's worth. And I think he's fine with either outcome. Hey, and uh, and he's he's earned everything that he's going to do right now, man. Uh, he's going to have haters. That's fine. If you don't like him, totally fine. But there's no denying John Jones is at a place where he has that right to say, this is where I'm worth. This is where I'm at, man. Um, so I, I hope we see it. I hope 
I, I just want to see John Jones back in the octagon again, to be honest with you. But um, I really hope we, we get a chance to see him do his art uh, once again, because it feels like we haven't seen Bones in there in years. I know it's not really been that long, but um, I, I just miss seeing the guy fight, bro. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what's, what's going to happen with Francis and Derek Lewis. It sounds like it's June 12th. It's going to be a little too soon for, for Nganu. I think he's wanting to uh, to maybe have that first defense be a little bit further out. But uh, definitely definitely something to keep an eye on if we get this rematch. And, of course, the the John Jones saga moving forward. Um, I, it's just it's crazy. It really is crazy that this is where we're at. But, um, but that's the business side for you, man. Uh, before we get into the UFC on ABC talk, uh, I just want to ask you real quick. This Friday... Bellator's back. Bellator 256, headlined by Ryan Bader versus Leota Machida. This is the first, is a quarterfinal in their light heavyweight Grand Prix. So I just wanted to ask you a quick prediction on on Bader versus Machida. Now that it's, I didn't realize we're like three days away. Yeah, um, this is a rematch. I remember Machida winning their first. I think you won their first fight. Machida, I'm almost positive Machida won their first fight. I got it. I'm gonna double check it right now. Uh, so it don't sound super stupid if I'm uh, incorrect about that. It was a long time ago, to be I fair. Would say I, th- I thought Machida knocked him out, but I could be wrong. I I think that is what happened. I just want to double check because Bader went on a great run not long after that. Um, uh, we got win over Ryan Bader. That's right. And then for Bader's career, it was the loss to Machida the winner over Matashenko, the winner over Glover, and then he won like five in a row and then ran into Anthony Johnson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Machida won the first fight. That's got to help, you know, kind of mentally on Machida's side. But I, I think Bader's just, he's just a way better fighter now than he was then. Um, you know, Bader's loss to Nemkov was, I mean, pretty decisive. Yep. Uh, and we haven't seen him fight in a minute. Um, but I... Uh, I think I still got to go Bader. I, I just think the wrestling is going to be uh, a big factor in this one. And if Machida has any success at all in the stand-up, I think Bader does everything he can to get Machida to the ground. And I think he'll be successful. And I think he'll either win with ground and pound or he'll win a uh, decision. That's me. I'm leaning towards a Bader decision. I can't, I mean, nine years ago was that fight, right? I'm, I'm looking now too, like... That is insane. It's been that long, but nine years later, rematch. I'm with you. Give me Bader because of the wrestling, the grappling. Uh, that is, again, this Friday night, uh, April 9th, Bellator 256. That card also features Liz Carmouche, Kat Zingano, Julia Budd. Uh, it was supposed to feature Corey Anderson, but that fight got moved. So definitely be on the lookout for Bellator 256 this weekend. Get this quarterfinal of this uh, Grand Prix going. Oh, also, sorry, real quick. I just want to throw this out there because we, with Bellator, uh, shout out to Pitbull Fieri. Yes. Who, I mean, he went out there and just destroyed Emmanuel Sanchez, literally choked him unconscious. And they're setting up him versus AJ McKee. And McKee is like an undefeated, homegrown Bellator, uh, like potential, like megastar for them. So, like, I, I just wanted to give that a shout out too. Like Pitbull might be the best 145er in the world, and he's a you know dual champion. So, I mean, uh, you know, at lightweight and at featherweight. So it's like uh, this guy is uh, doing some really great stuff over there in Bellator that probably doesn't get a, enough recognition, but he's uh, he is world class. Seven in a row now, I believe for him. The last time he lost was Benson Henderson back in 2016. Yeah, shout out, uh, shout out the Pitbull, bro. That's good stuff, man. Um, one more time, definitely that Bellator card this Friday, Saturday, UFC on ABC, man. April tenth at the UFC Apex. This is uh, UFC on ABC two or UFC Vegas twenty three, depending on how you're keeping count. Headlined by Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland instead. Of Darren Till, of course, uh, Till having to pull out of this fight. And I believe, what, it was five days ago, April 1st, Holland uh, said he'd step in on nine days' notice. Uh, of course, we saw Kevin lose not too long ago um, in the Octagon, what that's been probably March 20th. So, yeah, a couple weeks ago to Derek Brunson, of course, that decision loss. Right back in there, Stephen, in there with uh, Vittori. So, 
where do you where do you find yourself on this one? Of course, different for both. Holland short notice stepping in. Vittori been training for Darren Till. Definitely a different uh, a different opponent there with Holland. Uh, where where are you at on this main event now that we're set? I mean, on one hand, I'm very glad that like we're getting this fight because you know Kevin Holland's fight against Derek Brunson was very frustrating. Um, like if you're a Kevin Holland fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know all credit in the world to Derek Brunson. Like he, he executed a game plan perfectly and he, he decisively defeated Kevin Holland. Um, but the, uh, it was frustrating to watch because he just talked all this trash, like as he was getting just, just beat. Like he, I think he won maybe one of those rounds out of five and it's like, and he was still talking trash. And mm-hmm. at some point it gets kind of embarrassing. You know what I mean? Um, I like, I love his walkout. I love the confidence he brings and, and the, you know, the swag and everything. I just, I just think that he was kind of exposed in, in that last fight. And Vittori's not the kind of guy that I think is going to be going for any takedowns. So like Holland has that going for him, but Vittori is dangerous as hell. And he's, he's a head hunter. Like he's going out there looking to knock your block off. Holland's in the same boat though. So, I mean, I think this is going to be a very entertaining fight. And I think Holland has like, a very good chance of winning, but I think Vittori is going to stay more composed. Part of what what concerns me about Holland is sometimes when he throws his strikes, he looks like really off balance to me. And I feel like Vittori could capitalize on that and just, and just really clock him. Um, So I'm going to go Vittori as my prediction for that. Uh, What do you think? How do you feel about this fight? And who do you think wins? I'm excited for it. I'm with you. I I still, I'm, I kind of find myself romanticizing the year of 2020 we had with Kevin Holland more than, than what we're having so far in 2021 because I was very – I'm with you. You summed that up perfect, his performance against Brunson. I was very let down by that. Uh, didn't love what I saw, but I'm hoping we see more of 2020 Holland. I know this is a, this is a big test for him, man. Marvin Vittori does not get the uh, respect he deserves. I know we talked about his winning streak. He's at four in a row. Uh, his last loss was to Israel Adesanya by split decision uh, back in 2018. And I'll always go back to that until someone else beats him because, like, I, I mean, how big of a deal is that? I know Izzy just lost, uh, but, but you know, this fight at that moment, it was a huge, huge spot for Vittori to be in and split decision loss. So since then, nothing but wins, including that, uh, that win over Jack Hermanson back in, uh, back in December 2020, fight of the night. Um, his performance of the night right before that for for Vittori. So looking good, feeling good leading into this. I hope we get a, a just a barn burner of a main event. I'm with you. I, I'm picking Vittori because that last loss was against Izzy. And until someone can really just take it to him, I'm thinking we're going to keep seeing the best Marvin uh, each each fight. Uh, the big question now, I mean, this is this is a fight for Kevin Holland more than anything. You know, if, if Vittori loses this fight, it's it's not great by any means, but you know he took an opponent on very short notice. But for Holland, man, uh, you know if you go from five and zero to you know hypothetically say you lose this this fight, whether it be by a finish or or another decision, man, zero and two. Uh, if it's not a very good performance, like if you're Kevin Holland, man, you're quickly falling back to the end of the pack. When we were just talking at the end of the year that this guy you know, a couple of perform, uh, of impressive wins away from possibly kind of uh, jumping some people and, and being in the title contention with all that buzz. So it feels like a gigantic moment for Kevin Holland's career right now, bro. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, he, he really needs to win to, like, keep the momentum he had coming into this year. Um, and, I mean, Marvin Vittori, that win over Jack Hermanson was really impressive. Hermanson's a really tough guy, and he's really versatile also. Like, Hermanson's got, in my opinion, a really underrated ground game. Very slick on the ground. Has, has really dangerous striking also. And he's he's kind of, uh, he, he's he's pretty unique with, like, his his approach and his attacks and stuff. Um, so, like, that win by Vittori was, was super impressive to me. <clears throat> and on the other hand, you have Holland, who, like we've been saying, just, just he just didn't look good against Brunson, but mm-hmm. he still is, you know, ranked, you know, in the top 10 at number 10 of uh, a at six. So this is a fight that has huge implications for both guys. Um, and it, it's something where it's either going to like, you know, either Kevin Holland is going to win and he's going to be in the mix 
Uh, because if he beats Vittori, he's right back up there fighting top five guys because um, because Derek Brunson is ranked number four. I mean, so you you have Holland in that mix with with the title challengers. Um, and Vittori has a lot to lose, too, because he's already in that mix. Like he was supposed mm-hmm. to fight Darren Till. Uh, the winner of that fight was probably going to fight Adesanya. So it's like uh, it's 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 a very big fight for both guys. Like Vittori has a lot to lose here, too. Um, and, he, and he has a lot of balls for taking, you know, the short notice opponent in Kevin Holland, who, you know, Kevin Holland is built different, man. Like, I, I think he likes these situations. Like he likes the fast turnaround and, and then people thinking he can't get it done. So, um, so yeah, this is a really good fight. It's really interesting. I think either guy could get a knockout. I just think Vittori, I just think he's, a, he stays more composed and he really lands the strikes that matter. And, uh, and that's, and that's the reason I'm going with him. Yeah. Big time main event again, UFC on ABC this Saturday. That's your headliner. This main card littered with names jumping off the page. Uh, I was going to ask you about a couple of these fights, uh, and then we can kind of rapid fire through some of them. But uh, Mike Perry back is Mike Perry. We 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 talk about him. We both have our opinions outside the cage and inside the cage at times. But uh, with his track record now, for those that you know don't have a laptop in front of you or just don't have Mike Perry's career <laughs> memorized, sitting on 14, 14 and seven right now. Uh, he had that stretch. Of course, he was an 11 and one, uh, coming out of that win over Alex Reyes back in 2017. Since then, uh, very much, you know, a couple losses in a win, loss, win, couple losses, win, loss. So, uh, very up and down. He missed weight the last time he fought when that he lost to Tim means by decision back in November, uh, in there with, uh, with someone very hungry and, uh, and Daniel Rodriguez, what do you think we should expect? Um, what do we expect out of Mike Perry against Rodriguez, who right now 13 and 2? He's coming off of only his second career loss. This was a, a fighter. We saw Daniel Rodriguez fight four times in 2020. He went three and one with what two finishes, a decision win, and then a decision loss. So uh, and 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 one of those wins, mind you, over Tim Dirty Bird means a performance of the night for Rodriguez. Everything's telling me this is a going to be a long night for Mike Perry, bro. Yeah, and yeah, Mike Perry is just such an interesting case because, like, he he clearly like I'm not someone who like who like judges people. You know what I mean? Like, I I know he's a different a different type of dude, but from the outside looking at him, he just it it just seems like his life is a mess. You yeah. know. And it's like, I'm not going to sit here and like blame him or whatever, but like sometimes you hear him talk and some of the stuff he says and some of the words he uses and stuff, you're just like, it's like hard to get behind him. You know, you're just like, I, this is, and then, then you see some of the videos. So there's all that outside the octagon stuff that you mentioned, you know, it's like, and it's hard for me to get past because I think in most other sports, I don't know if he even like, you know, I, I don't, and his record is bad. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, but he has entertaining fights, but part of me almost feels bad watching them because I feel like I'm contributing to like the downfall of this guy. Like if he went out and did, I mean, God forbid, right? Like if he went out there and, you know, I don't want to ever compare anybody to like the Chris Benoit situation. That's like literally the worst thing that's ever happened in like mm-hmm. all of any kind of combat sport or anything, whatever you want to say, entertainment, it's like the worst thing ever. But like if Mike Perry did something like, terrible and we found out it was because he had like terrible cte like because of fighting you know what i'm saying like yeah i just and i'm making a lot of assumptions here which isn't fair i don't know what his situation is with that stuff but it's just one of those things where he goes in there and he takes a he takes a beating a lot of the time he's in that octagon and then you see the way he acts outside the octagon i've even heard joe rogan talk about this with uh when he talks about john jones about how he thinks that there's actually a correlation between John Jones getting hit in the head a bunch and him kind of acting a little bit more nonchalant about things, like kind of like the trouble he gets in and mm-hmm. stuff. He might not have been getting in if he hadn't been getting hit in the head as often as he does and stuff. You know, it's like it just makes me think a lot about Mike Perry and whether or not I really even want to see him fighting because 
Yeah. Once again, his life just seems like such a mess outside of the octagon. It even seems like a mess inside the octagon. The guy doesn't have a corner when he fights sometimes. He's like bringing yeah. his girlfriend with him. Uh, the wrong entrance music on his last fight was hilarious. I, I will give him credit for that. He was singing along to a song that wasn't even his entrance music, but he just like went with it because someone played the wrong music. That was really funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I got to go Daniel Rodriguez also. I mean, Tim Means you know looked good against Mike Perry. Um, Jeff Neal you know beat the hell out of him. Donald Cerrone tapped him. I mean. He, one of those fights, I remember, his, I think it might have been the Vicente Luque fight where his nose looked like it was detached from his face. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's just, it's hard. It's just hard talking about Mike Perry for me. Like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that always wants people to, like, be able to get out of whatever rut they're in. And, like, I believe in second chances and third chances and fourth chances for a lot of people. Like, I... And I want nothing but the best for Mike Perry. And I want him, I want his life to be in order, but it's one of those things where like, I'm just afraid as a fan and as just a, as a human being that mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, I would just feel really bad watching Mike Perry fight. And then like seeing him in the news again, like fighting civilians or something, you know, it's, it's like when you see BJ Penn, right? Like no one could ever take away what that guy accomplished and what he means to MMA but then you see him like fighting people outside of bars and stuff. And you're just like, oh, you know, like and part of that has to be that he's been hit in the head so many damn times. You know, I just feel like it has to play a factor. has to be. Yeah, I you totally know? agree. And I'm no doctor. You know what I mean? I don't want to like be out here diagnosing people. I'm just saying like. It just doesn't add up, you know, so that all being said, like, I think Daniel Rodriguez is going to beat the hell out of Mike Perry. And I don't know if I'm going to feel good watching it if that's what happens. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm at. We know how tough he is. We know Mike Perry can knock someone out. But I think uh, that's that's a big question to ask, especially uh, depending on how this plays out of what if Mike Perry should even be fighting anymore. It's tough for any of us to ask. Uh, you got to you got to respect the Warriors for doing it. But, man. It's um, it's it's hard to watch some of this stuff for real. Um, let's move on to a little, a lot happier. Honestly, yes. we got we got two young guns fighting. I believe both at the ripe old age of twenty seven years old, Arnold Allen and Sodiq Yusuf. Both uh, super impressive so far in their careers. Yusuf's eleven and one. Uh, Allen, I want to say he's like fourteen, if sixteen and one now. Um, neither has lost under that UFC banner, both on big time winning streaks. This one, of course, is going to be in the featherweight division, man. Where are you leaning on this one? And what feels like a, a fight between uh, one of those times again, where you get two, uh, two talents on the rise and it's almost that like, who's up next kind of, uh, figuring themselves out. Yeah. Like I, I love this matchup. Um, and it's number 10 versus number 11. Allen's ranked 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sadiq's number 11. So it's like this fight makes 100% complete sense to, to book this. And I'm a big fan of both. Um, I I like what uh, Sadiq has been bringing to the table in his fights. He's looked very impressive. And Arnold Allen is a guy that I think is a real prospect. I mean, both of these guys are. But they, but I, like, I'm leaning Allen as far as my prediction for the fight. Um, the guy's just r- super tough. Um, I, and once again, a lot of this can be echoed the other way as well. But I think Allen, he was just very tough. He's very well-rounded. He's fought some damn good opponents. Um, you know, his most recent two wins are Nick Lentz, who's very solid. No, not an easy out for anybody. And Gilbert Melendez, who, of course, you know, former Strikeforce champion, uh, would, you know, once fought for the UFC title and all that stuff. Scrap pack, all that good stuff. I mean, so... He's got in there with some uh, some pretty some pretty good fighters, and the top name as far as uh, Sadiq is probably Andre Feely, and Andre Feely is like a very very hot or cold type fighter, um, and usually more often than not, I think it's been cold. I bet if I pull his record up right now, it's probably going to be look pretty red. Um, eh, not as bad as I thought. That Bryce Mitchell loss was, but Bryce Mitchell's a stud too. If I'm being honest, I, I, Bryce Mitchell's probably my favorite fighter in in the UFC. <laughs> like, <laughs> like say what you will about all of his like Trump support and and how country is and stuff. I get all that. I get if people don't like you know what he talks about. 
you know, Mr. Trump, hit me up if you need my help, you know, all that kind of, but him as a fighter and as just this country boy who eats squirrels and in the backwoods and stuff and just goes out and, and just finds ways to win. Like I love watching Bryce Mitchell fight. The dude, the dude goes for twisters like 10 times a fight. It's incredible to watch. Um, but Arnold Allen, I think is just kind of, I just think he's a little bit better right now than Sadiq is. And, and that it's just a gut feeling. Both guys are very, very talented. And the winner of this fight, I think, will be fighting someone in the top five next and potentially on the brink of a title contention. Because if you look at the featherweight division, you got Volkanovski and Ortega, which was supposed to already happen. Volkanovski got COVID and they pushed it back. They're going to actually coach the ultimate fighter um, against each other. And so that that's going to be on hold for a second. Max Holloway is going to have to figure out what he's going to do next mm-hmm. because, you know, he should get a title shot, but he's going to have to wait this whole situation out. I mean, Yair is like on a break from the company because he's got personal stuff going on. Zabit pretty much can't find a fight because he keeps beating everybody and, and Yair is the perfect opponent. But like I said, Yair is, is kind of a no man's land with like whatever's going on with him. They just booked uh Korean zombie versus Dan Ige, which is an awesome fight. Can't wait to see that. So these are the names we're talking about. Like we're talking about Arnold Allen probably going in there with like a Calvin Cater or a Josh Emmett or same with Sadiq. The winner of this is probably going to get like a Cater or an Emmett or something like that. Like they're, they're going to be in that mix. So uh, so yeah, big change, big changing. I shouldn't say changing of the guard, more adding to an already stacked uh, contenders list at featherweight. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna go Allen mainly because of who he's beat more than anything. But uh, it is it feels like just a razor close. This could be a super close tight decision. Uh, definitely a fight to keep an eye on this weekend. I believe that will end up being the co-main event. Looking at this, uh, also on this main card, bro, we've got. Smiling Sam Alvey against Julian Marquez. You've got Nina Ansaroff and Mackenzie Dern. And then uh, in the middleweight division, Kyle Dawkins against, oh my Lord, I'm going to screw this up. Ali Ashkob, oh, Kurozirov. Oh man, that was bad. Um, <laughs> that was just, that was so bad. I'm so sorry. He's going to punch me for that one just for saying that. Uh, double no wikis though, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, double no wiki page. Someone's going to get a, a wiki blue link out of this fight guaranteed uh of those uh two or three left on the main card what really sticks out to you um that's really got you thinking okay this is this is going to be one to watch um well i think if you're a fan of smiling sam alvey um this is probably the last time you get to see him fight for the ufc so yeah. uh that's weird isn't that so crazy like i feel like we've been watching him in the ufc for like decades yeah, and he's a very likable fighter to it to a degree. Like at least that's kind of what his whole gimmick is. It's he. I'm I'm lukewarm on Sam Alvey because I think he's a fighter who's never really lived up to the hype. If I'm if I'm just being brutally honest, mm-hmm. and and he I feel like he kind of puts that that smiling front on because he's lost some fights recently. Granted, close fights, uh, you name it, you know, uh, decision losses. But he's acted like incredibly butthurt over the losses. Like it would really, I mean, and, and granted, I would be too, but I'm also not out there like pretending to be this like ultra happy, always smiling guy. You know what I mean? It's just, it just mm-hmm. kind of rubs me the wrong way when I see him acting salty about stuff. And I'm like, it, it kind of reminds me of like Ryback, right? Where you see him on Twitter <laughs> and he's like preaching positivity, but he's like fighting with all the trolls. You know, it's just like, what, are you, are you a positive guy or are you miserable? Like what, what I'm getting really mixed signals right now. Um, so, and, and the reason I say last fight for LV is because I think Julian Marquez is going to beat him. Uh, Marquez looked great in his last fight, a one by Anaconda choke at UFC 258. And I just think, I mean, Alvi's literally lost his last one, two, three, four yeah. fights. And he had a split draw before, you know, in his most recent. Granted, some good fighters in there. Split decision to Ryan Span. Span's a dangerous guy. Uh, Jimmy Crute, solid. He always has the opportunity to potentially knock somebody out. Little Noguera, legend of the sport. But it's like, you just, it just, you just can't be in the UFC losing, you know, five, six fights in a row and stuff. It just, you know. I, so I, I, and I, like I said, I just think Julian Marquez is just a better fighter right now. Um, his only loss is a split decision. And, you know what I mean? It's just like, or his only loss in the UFC, I should say, is, is a split decision. He had one loss in Bellator years back. 
uh, to Chris Harris, not the same wildcat Chris Harris from TNA. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I just think Marquez is a better fighter and I just don't see, I, I'm never here. Y'all know me at this point. I'm never here advocating people to lose their jobs. I'm just saying like, if I'm the UFC, I, I have no reason to continue to put Sam Alvey out there if he loses this one. Yeah, I'm with you, Marquez. Uh, very high on. I think he's a little bit hungrier. Um, I couldn't have said it better, man. I don't want the what the best nickname going right now, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, Julian Marquez, yeah, big buzz around this kid, especially if he can get a finish over Alvy. Hate to see it go out like that, but yeah, you look at you look at Sam's record, bro, and it's just it's it's tough to look at. So, uh, yeah, he he's this could be it, man. This could be it for smiling Sam. Where are you at on the Nina Ansaroff Mackenzie Dern fight? This is interesting, of course. Uh, Nina now, right, with a family going with uh, with Amanda Nunes. So this it's always interesting to see kind of fighters after you know I don't want to say they're hungrier after they have a family, but there's definitely you see kind of that different side of them. But she's in there with Mackenzie Dern, who's what ten and one has not lost since uh, 2019, October of 2019. Three wins in a row, and of course, uh, again, her only loss to date, and that was uh, to Amanda Rivas. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it feels like this could be another one for McKenzie. I mean, this is a damn good matchup. It really is. Um, I like both of these fighters a lot. I think they're both. I think they're both very valuable to the UFC uh, in, in their own ways. Like, I think Nina Ansarov is. She's been a very good fighter for a long time. Uh, she's been fighting in MMA since 2010. Uh, mm-hmm. She has an amateur record that it could trace back to 2008. Uh, you know, she she's been around a long time and she's fought a lot of good fighters. And, you know, she gets on these hot and cold streaks. She'll lose a few. She'll win a few. She'll lose a couple. She'll win a few. I mean, it's like but it's constantly fighting, you know, top level type talent. Her most recent fight, she lost to Tatiana Suarez, who I think is going to be like the the only issue with Tatiana Suarez is she her she fights so irregularly. And it's, I think it's because of um, like health issues and stuff, a lot of it. And I don't want to speculate on stuff, but I, 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 I'm going to pull up her page real quick, just so I make sure I'm not speaking out of, out of turn, but I, I know. Okay. I just wanted to double check here. She, I know she had, she had dealt with uh, thyroid cancer in her life. And I don't know if that's like an ongoing thing every now and then. And I don't know if he, uh, you know, if, if she, I, I, once again, I don't want to speculate on her, like on her medical issues, but, uh, but she just, she just doesn't fight very often, but if she was fighting often, she probably would have already fought for the title already. Like Nina, uh, Tatiana Suarez is a, is an incredibly talented fighter and with her reach and her length and her height and her size and stuff, like she's, uh, she, like I said, I really think she could have been fighting for the title by now. And she hasn't fought in like two, two, three years or something like that. So that all being said, that's the only loss in Nina Ansarov's and Nina Ansarov's uh, recent history. And then you got Mackenzie Dern, who's like one of the most decorated grapplers uh, the UFC has, and her last three wins over Cyphers, Marcos, and Jandaroba. And Jandaroba is a really good fighter too. Um, I believe she was from Invicta, and yep, I'm pulling it up right now. And she. I remember her, she was really good coming over from Invicta because she beat Carla Esparza in her debut at the company. And she, or sorry, she lost to Carla Esparza, and then uh, she beat Mallory Martin and Felice Herring. But that all being said, really good fighters. If this hits the ground, I got to go Dern. If it stays standing, I'm going to go with Ansaroff. Um, I'm going to say Dern gets her to the ground. I'm going to say Mackenzie Dern uh, with the win here. But this is a really damn good fight. And uh, as far as the rankings are concerned, women's straw weight, we'd be looking at Dern's at 11 right now. And uh, Ansaroff is at five. So, I mean, this is if Ansaroff wins, she's. She's in the title mix uh, to potentially fight Wiley Zhang and Ro- or Rose Nami Yunus, whoever wins there. And if Dern wins, like she's in the top five and she's going to be in that conversation. So this this is a very, very big fight at women's straw weight. But I am going to go with Mackenzie Dern. No, yeah, it feels like a big fight again uh, on ABC. Great for all these talents to be on the uh, that broadcast television I'm with you. Like I said, McKenzie, this is going to be a very, very exciting fight in the women's strawweight division. Uh, the last one on this main card before we uh, we kind of go through that prelim a little bit, 
is the non-Wikipedia page versus non-Wiki page Kyle Dawkins, Ali Ashkob, Kirzira Reeve, uh, certified badass just by name alone. Um, I think that's what we should just. This is the stipulation for this one: winner gets a Wiki page. It's the way it's got to be, bro. Yeah, that's the way it's got to be. I agree. Um, what I do know about Kyle Dawkins. Because I the name rung a bell. Um, yeah. The guy is known for his Darsh choke. He has like, I just pulled his record up. I know he's I know he's like a submission dude, but it, just Darsh chokes alone, he has one, two, three, four. He has five different Darsh choke wins in his career. Damn. And he started fighting professionally in 2017. Um, oh wow! All of his other wins are all. He has a couple decisions in there, but they're almost all rear naked chokes outside of that Darsh choke. So, I mean, I got to go with Kyle Dawkins just based off that. A dude who has that good of a chance, that good of a percentage chance of choking you with a Darsh or, or, uh, or a rear naked, like, I don't really care who you, I shouldn't say I don't care who you are. If you're like a super <laughs> high level, top level guy, I would care. But um, based on that and the little bit I have seen of Dawkins in that name, like I said, it, I, I saw that and I was like, this, I don't know why this rings a bell, and it's because the, the dude's got a sick ground game. And uh, I got to go with Dawkins. I think this is going to be a battle of uh, maybe ground game against some fists. I'm looking up. It, the Black Wolf is the nickname for Ali Ashkob. He is 13-0. His last fight was on the Contender Series uh, last year, and he won that by rear naked choke in 50 seconds. He was supposed to fight... A couple of months ago, that was canceled. So, uh, be, you know, it's a big deal uh, to be on the ABC 13-0 and 0 versus 10-1. and 1. I'm going to go with the Black Wolf for two reasons. Because I can't say his name, and that means he's super tough. And uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> and uh, I, he, he beat someone with a punch to the body in 28 seconds. And that just... That sounds like someone that should not be trifled with. Yeah, that's sick. I mean, I mean, that's good to know. And you said he choked someone out of the contender series in less than a yeah. minute. Yeah, fifty seconds. He's. I'm. I'm just like I said, looking at a couple of his uh, his his wins. He's he's won a lot of fights quickly uh, with some punches, with some ground and pound, with a little bit of ground game. Uh, for two guys without Wikipedia pages, bro, this one feels like it could be damn exciting. I mean, I like knowing this because um, I don't watch contender series very often, so I miss a lot of that kind of stuff and. That's awesome to know because I was a little co- confused when this was like the third from the top, you know, like this oh, is yeah, yeah. right before the co-main event on, on the card. So it's like, so stylistically, this must be a great matchup. So I'm still going to go with Dawkins because like I knew I knew him, but I, I mean, that's awesome to know. Like I'm, I'm actually really excited for this fight now because it sounds like it's two guys that really have pretty sick ground games. And on uh, on one hand, we got a guy who can also knock you out or, or stop you with a body shot thirty seconds in. I mean, this is gonna be it's gonna be a fun fight, man. I'm actually pretty pumped up now. Fired up for this one. That's the main card. On the prelim card, we've got Jim Miller fighting Joe Selecki. We've got uh, Hot, Scott Scotty Holtzman on here. We've got John McDessie back in the cage. Uh, what are a couple of these prelim fights that you look at and you think uh, these are ones you gotta gotta keep an eye out on ESPN Plus Saturday? Um, well, I mean, I'm always gonna watch Jim Miller. Yes, you know? that dude is already. If you look at his overall career, I mean, there's a lot of losses on his record. Don't get me wrong, but if you look at the longevity and the things he's accomplished, as far as like all the submission wins and like fights of the night and bonuses and all that stuff, like. He really has put together like a like a fringe Hall of Fame career without being a champion. I'm not necessarily saying like he 100% is, but I'm just I'm going to throw that out there. Like I think Jim Miller on paper there there are people in the UFC Hall of Fame right now that I think on paper kind of resume to resume Jim Miller uh, stacks up really well against or with some people that like already there. Um, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So I'm always going to be interested in seeing what he's doing. Joe Selecki is a solid fighter. Um, he's going to be hungry as hell. And and anybody who fights Jim Miller is going to be in a position where it's like, you know, you 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 do increase your name value if you beat Jim Miller because win or lose, Miller's a, just tough as hell, and he's very well rounded and he's very respected. 
And I know there's like a lot of family stuff he's dealt with, you know, publicly with like uh, with, you know, within his family, not not like in, you know, just health stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and I really respect Miller for uh, for, you know, everything that he's, you know, kind of gone through and whatnot. And he just seems like a really good dude. So and that's not to say Selecki isn't. Uh, I just obviously have a a bit more of a connection to Jim Miller because I've been watching him fight since I mean, probably since I was in high school. I For mean, real? I, I mean, I'd ha- I'm going to pull his record up right now because if he was fighting pre 2006, I was in height. So, yeah, 2005 was his debut. Uh, started fighting in the UFC in 2008. I was in college in 2008. So that's probably when I saw him first. I mean, that's legend, dude. Whether he winds up in the Hall of Fame or not, legend, legend status name, in my opinion, and for those reasons, I got to go with Jim Miller. You know, it's it's kind of the same reason I pick Andre Arlovsky every time he fights. Like, I don't know if he's going to go in there and win. I think it's, it's probably a 50-50 shot, uh, but I'm going to be, I'll be rooting for him. So I, uh, I'm going to go with Jim Miller on that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just real quick. I want to say about Joe Selecki, young gun who is fighting 10 and two, five wins in a row. But what I really wanted to point out is just what you said. I think, I think he's on the same page. Selecki young. But he un- he said in an interview something to the effect of he understands like what it means to be in there with Jim Miller and he knows that this is a big moment, uh, win, lose or draw to be in there with with someone of that credibility of a Jim Miller. So uh, shout out Joe Selecki, I'm with you, man. Jim Miller is just one of my absolute favorite fighters that never won a title. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know he really. I remember I I edited a video for All Things MMA not too long ago and it was. Uh, like the top 10 submission artists in UFC history. And I can't remember what number on the list he was, but he was definitely in the top 10 of like most submission wins ever. And a lot of the names, I mean, people forget he submitted Edson Barbosa. Or not, sorry, sorry, not Edson Barbosa. He, uh, he submitted Charles Oliveira. Yeah. I right. mean, that's that's like, especially knowing where, where, you know, where mm-hmm. Oliveira's at now. Um, so, I mean, that's really, really damn impressive. So, um, so yeah, got to go with Jim Miller. And then as far as anything else on the prelims, I, uh, the, honestly, there, there's, I mean, th- it could make for good fights cause I'm going in with it, uh, pretty, pretty, uh, clear headed. Cause I don't know a ton about a lot of the, the prelims, like you're Castro. I only remember that name because I remember him losing to Greg Hardy. And that's just because I pretty much remember anyone Greg Hardy fights because there's always so much attention on, you know, everyone's always like. You know, they want to they want to see, you know, who's the one who beats up Greg Hardy. So it's like, you know, I remember that name. I remember him him getting beat up by uh, by Greg Hardy. But outside of that, yeah, man, just not a whole lot name value wise on the prelims. But oh, Scott Holtzman, though, I I, I yeah. didn't see his name there. Um, Yeah, he's fun to watch. Uh, he's coming off that loss to Benil Dariush, but he actually has a win over Jim Miller recently as well. So, um, yeah. Hot sauce, right? Hot sauce Holtzman. Yeah, hot yeah. sauce Holtzman. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to see him in there. Don't know much about his opponent, but uh, you know, that's just un- unfortunately that's just kind of a running theme for the prelims of this show. Like the main card, uh, you know, outside of that one uh, Dawkins fight, like you know, plenty of meat on the bones there. The rest of these fights, I, I-, I just hope they're entertaining because I'm going into it with no bias whatsoever. Outside, of course, you know that prelim main event where I've got you know Jim Miller. No, yeah, th- uh, these are, we talked about it before, uh, these are exciting times, though, man. It's always exciting when you, as, as deep as we are in the MMA world and, and kind of all the fights we watch, it's really exciting when we do get to see new talent, uh, and this is a great show for new talent, man. Uh, ESPN Plus will have the prelim. Of course, the the main card will be live on ABC. Uh, I mean, we, we, we made it another week, bro. We'll be back next week. We're going to, of course... Recap everything that happens this weekend over on ABC. And then uh, a week from Saturday, April 17th, UFC on ESPN 22 slash UFC Vegas 24 will be a thing headlined by Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam. We're going to dive into that fight and all the fights that are going to be in that card by the time we get around to it. And then just a reminder as well, we are just a few weeks away. We are less than three weeks away from Kamaru Usman defending the title against Jorge Masvidal, welterweight, women's strawweight title on the line there, women's flyweight title on the line there, Chris Weidman on this card, Anthony Smith, 
So uh, a few weeks away from one of the biggest uh, biggest fight cards in UFC of the year, UFC 261. We'll get into all that a little bit later, but for now, man, uh, you know, please, if you if you feel like it, follow me on Twitter at most K-O-B-K. Uh, always a pleasure, Stephen Jensen, man. I love this shit. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you being a part of it, man. And real quick, just because I guess because we didn't touch on it, I had it, I had it on my notes. Just real quick, uh, early prediction: Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, who wins? Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about that. Um, oh God. I'm gonna go, man. I can't not pick against. I've never picked against a Diaz brother. My heart is my gut saying Leon, my heart saying Diaz. So I'm gonna say 209. Yeah, I'm going uh, Nate as well. I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Nate has very good striking, but so does Leon, and that's obviously what he's known for. Um, I think Leon's striking may be more crisp, maybe, maybe. Um, but Diaz, damn good striker. But my decision is more so because if that fight hits the ground, Leon's going to be lost, yeah, and, and, and Nate Nate's a wizard. No, I, I couldn't agree more. That everyone's talking about Leon might do this and that, and I'm like, yo, he cannot get on the ground because uh, that that's game over. You'll have flashbacks of Nate flipping people off while he's locking in a triangle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a badass moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that all being said, uh, if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, fight talk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. I think that Sean Ross Sapp has already uploaded our uh, our audio, at least over to the over to iTunes. I got to see where all it's at right now. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, he tweeted out. We have over five hours of free Fightful Select audio up on all of our podcast feeds as Steven Jensen has dropped two free preview editions of The Weekender, previewing the GCW Wrestling Collective and the Indie Wrestling Showcase of the Independence. And I think GCW actually liked the tweet already, so that's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, and I'm about to tag you in this and make sure you get your credit for being a part of the show. Um, Thank you, bro. Yes, I put you in the description of everything. I just don't know where where all it's dropped yet. So um, I'll make sure to, to tag you in the post that I make about it here in a second. And people all have a, a chance to listen to this. I mean, if you're into indie wrestling and you got five hours of free time and you want to just, just zone out and, and get pumped up for independent wrestling, listen to our podcast that we just dropped over there at Fightful.com and uh, watch watch everything going on this weekend. Use code FIGHTTALK. Uh, watch some independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. And yeah, um, I am spent, dude. We have talked a <laughs> lot the last couple of days, so I'm not going to plug anything else. Um, follow Twitter, fighttalk underscore. And before we get out of here one last time, make sure to support our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Please join us on May the 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. We'll be doing the Dan Severn autograph signing slash you know, meet and greet slash Q&A session. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please join us. Make sure to follow Music City Toys and Collectibles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Music City Toys. Until next time, we'll be back next week. Talk to some more mixed martial arts.